Welcome to the HR Insider Podcast, where we interview some of today's top HR reps and human resource experts. It's time to elevate your human resource mindset. Well, welcome to another episode of the HR Insider Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Kimmer Moore. Kimmer, how are you doing today? I am doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Well, Kimber, why don't you tell us uh, how you got to where you are and a little bit about what you're up to now with this uh, this new venture that you're in. Well, I've been in HR for about 19 years and worked in big companies, small companies, and medium companies. Um, I have uh, experience doing everything HR, A to Z, but uh, a lot of my career has been in compensation, benefits, HRIS. Uh, in my last regular full-time role, I led an HR team through a uh, merger and acquisition and then signed my, found myself um, at the end of that in transition, looking for a new opportunity. And while I was doing that, I was consulting uh, out there, helping some of the, the people in my network and just doing what I needed to do to, to keep busy as well as look for a job and came to the realization about uh, about a year after that this is what I wanted to do, that I wanted to actually just consult and start my own business. So kind of jumped into it uh, head first, <laughs> um, kind of put myself out there and just kind of got started, uh, officially got started, even though I, had, like I said, I had already been working some uh, while I was in transition. So I'm very excited about it. That's excellent. That's excellent. So now, so you launched Capricio, is that how you said HR? Yeah, Capricio HR. Okay. So, okay. First, why Capriccio? What, what's up with the name there? <laughs> Okay, so this is an interest. I get this question a lot. Um, I uh, I actually have uh, a music background, um, and uh, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to call the business, I knew I wanted that element of it. I actually am a, a flute player. I have my bachelor's degrees in music, and I wanted to kind of have that flair to it. Um, a capriccio in music terms is something that has a structure to it that's built in a framework in the music itself, but then has the uh, the artist, the performer, has the ability to kind of set the pace, put some embellishment to it, and actually take what's there and make it their own. Um, so I like that combination of the structure and the creativity uh, of that. So that's why I picked it. I just thought it was pretty reflective of me. People who know me know I'm very, I can be very analytical and structured, but I still like to think outside the box and figure out what we can do uh, to get what to get to what the customer is asking me to do or the client or the employee or the manager, that type of thing. So it was perfect for me, I think, uh, which is what I was going for. Something that bit me, but also had that music element um, that has been present through most of my life. So That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So you and I were talking before we got started and you, you kind of mentioned the compensation and benefits, uh, you know, element of, HR and the work that you're doing with your new consulting business is being like a huge part of what you're up to. Kind of give us an insight into that world and and what's trending there, what's happening in that space. Okay, well, um, yes, I am working quite a bit on some compensation work with some of my clients, uh, doing a lot of market pricing and job structure uh, creation as well as some sales compensation for another client. Um, the, and the, there's a lot going on in this universe on the benefit side, what's going on, the trends, of course, we're trying to, to stay real close to 
the legal landscape as far as, you know, Affordable Care Act, is it here, is it going, what are we changing it to, what are the laws that are changing around that? Um, so uh, that's one of those big critical things people have to be careful of because, you know, the way it is today, we're, we're kind of following through the Affordable Care Act, but some stuff is changing with the laws and with the new president. Um, FLSA, which is uh, you know, Fair, uh, Fair uh, Labor Standards Act, also has some legal changes that we're trying to kind of keep on top of, making sure that people are compliant. But everything's back in, bouncing back and forth. Do we do it? Do we not do it? <laughs> um, so that's a big one with Comp and Ben right now, just keeping an eye on what's going on in the legal universe um, and making sure that the company is compliant um, with that. Um, compensation uh, is... Uh, the, the other trend that I'm seeing there, in addition to the FLSA, is, of course, there's a lot going on around equal pay, equal rights. That's another thing we're trying to keep close to, making sure you're paying people for the work that they do and not based on any other kind of situation like gender. Um, and, uh, some states are starting to implement rules around you cannot ask a candidate what their prior salary was at a company you can only ask what they're looking for so those are other things that i'm seeing as far as a trend um most of my clients again are smaller uh companies or mid-sized there's one that's a little bit bigger but they they're pulling me in to build that which doesn't exist um as i mentioned the job structures and the uh, the basically like a, a grade or band structure and market pricing and things like that um but there's there's so much movement. Again, I, I know I keep coming back to the legal landscape, but those are the trends I'm seeing in that universe. It's just to really kind of mind that and keep on top of that. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the things that, that I was going to ask him or honestly is, okay, so I know that there's a lot of open jobs right now uh, out there. Yep. And, and uh -huh. with that, it means people are, are moving a little bit more and yep. uh, wages are increasing. So, as a business, be it you know small, medium, or large, how do you start to engage with, you know, a there's so many uh, openings available, but then b, how do you keep the the uh, talent that you have happy with compensation and benefits in a way that's fair? Because I mean, it just seems like it's being inflated right now. What's what are some of the things that you're consulting with on your clients about in that space? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's absolutely a good point. Um, there's there's a sweet balance between when you're trying to determine what you're going to pay for a job, you know, your company's strategy and what they want to pay as far as what their budget is. I mean, you can only pay with what you've got. So you've got a budget, but then you also have to look at what's market uh, driven. In other words, go out, kind of get some sense for what the market's paying. And part of that is actually you know, it, it's actually listening to your candidates and what they're asking to, right? When you're kind of putting an offer out there and what they're asking for versus what you're asking for, so it's kind of a it's kind of a balance of that. Um, the 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 aspect of fairs, you still always got to come back and look at where are your people internally, making sure you're being consistent. But if you have to, sometimes you got to kind of step back, look at the market, make sure you've got everybody internally pay correctly and, and it's just kind of constant monitoring of that and what you're what you're paying people what you're seeing that you need to pay people to get them on board and that's just base salary now i'm 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 not a big component that pay is everything i know it's not there's benefits is a big part of this and i think that's where a company could probably put a little bit more 
bang for the buck, if you will, um, around benefits and offering good benefit packages to the employees in order to, to attract and retain people that way. Because if you give them something good there, sometimes that's a hard, I don't say it's a harder thing to leave, but that's something they don't want to leave because they have that comfort of the benefits that they're used to and other companies may not necessarily have it as good. So benefits is another option where they can, you know, put that out there and that's that value add. Uh, and the other piece that I'm just going to, before before we go on, is, is part of it's just communicating, like communicating to the internal employees, to the candidates, the full value of what they're offering, not just the base salary, but the base plus the bonus plus the benefits and the, the total picture of what that looks like from a package perspective. And just sometimes they're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize my employer was spending that much on me on benefits because sometimes companies don't necessarily put that out there readily. They don't show the employer portion. They only show what you pay as the employee. Um, so that's a big aha moment to employees to see, oh, wow, they, they really do spend quite a bit on benefits for me. So I think that's part of it, too, is communication. So, Yeah, so I was going to ask about that, Kimmer. So it it seems like there's, there's trends, especially with uh, millennials really starting to, uh, you know, dominate the workforce they have a different set of values and uh, yeah. what they want in the in the workspace. And so I know that benefits is a huge piece of that. Is there anything that you're seeing right now, again, as, as wages continue to increase and, and companies are starting to feel the pinch there? You know, you kind of alluded to this, but you know, I've heard that giving an extra week of vacation in lieu of, you mm-hmm. know, increasing wages x amount of dollars is a good benefit is there anything else that is creative that companies are doing right now to keep to either retain talent or uh, to go find new talent and kind of give them the lifestyle that they're longing for um yeah i mean first of all the one example you gave is good giving either more vacation some companies although i wouldn't say it's mainstream yet some companies are kind of almost doing away with paid time off policies where it's more like as long as you're getting your job done and you're working, you know what I mean? You can take the time you need as long as you're producing uh, for your day-to-day and getting your job done, right? So they're not tracking PTO buckets and things like that. So that's one thing some companies are doing is they're going the route of a, a officially no PTO plan, just more of a, you know, setting expectations of deliverables and letting people t- come and go and take the time that they need for vacations and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I, the, I know it's coined the phrase work-life balance. Really, the, the thing I'm hearing now is work-life integration. We all have to balance work with home and home with work, and it's not necessarily uh, – I don't really think work-life balance is the right term these days. But but anything that can go to that, that can allow people the flexibility to live and work and have a family – um, are very well appreciated, and, and even 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 the older generations. I think I think that one of my opinions is is a lot of times the millennials are outspoken about it. They actually say what they feel. They they're expressing this interest in these things, and we've always probably felt that way. Those of us in the older generation, I'm a Gen Xer, we just haven't been as vocal about it. So, um, so it's it's a I'm hearing the same thing across the board. It's just the, the you know millennial population has been a little more you know vocal about it. Um, and uh, and so I think, yeah, those types of programs where that is an option um, to be able to be more flexible in your life and be able to manage both sides of your career, your family, your personal life, you know, finding yourself, you know, spiritual community. Uh, it's not really a comp-related benefit, but another thing I've noticed is that 
a lot of uh, the younger generation like that community outreach that worldly view of things to where the world is um, the bigger picture versus just them or their company. So uh, conscious cap, have you ever heard of conscious capitalism, people who are uh, doing things for the community, charity events, things like that. I think that's another big thing that uh, attracts uh, millennials and kind of helps retain them. They know that their company cares uh, as well. So it's, a, it's not a, and it's, there's, well, not that there's not cost to that, but there's so much more ROI on that, not just for retaining your employees, but there's the, the public view of your company around that as well. So there's the, the value add in what you do decide to spend on things like that. So. No, I, I think that's excellent. So I know that, you know, one of the things that we do for our company is, uh, you know, kind of outlining for them, hey, listen, we don't just uh, – pay you and also give you some, you know, we, to your point, we do the unlimited time off thing where it's kind of like, mm-hmm. a, Hey, listen, you can take as much time as you want, just get your work done. Um, mm-hmm. and, but one of the things that we do too, is that we do intentional things like keeping the beer fridge stocked. You know what I mean? Like we, <laughs> yeah. and we, we, and we, we try to do uh, weekly lunches together. We all go out together on a Friday Everybody pays for themselves, but we all go out together just to get that extra time and and try and kind of build this family. You know, we're a small and growing business, but, uh, you know, kind of build this family atmosphere that we're all in this together. And so, yeah, I like what you were saying about the different creative ways that you can do that. But I I know that a lot of people are are just really feeling, um, frankly, a little bit intimidated by what's happening with staff turnover and that's always a problem and even though the economy is doing well it seems like there's a major shortage in talent for the positions that we have open so when it comes to compensation i kind of want to go back to that um is there how do you kind of define what's good as far as compensation goes and what isn't i've talked to too many uh you know fortune 500 hr leaders who say glass door is crap and it's not real and it's bad. Uh, you know, those people aren't actually making what they're saying they're making. Um, has that been your experience? How does, how does a small or medium sized business figure out what to pay their staff members? I guess is my question. If glass door is not helpful, if it's not a hundred percent accurate, how do you figure that out? Okay, that is a great question, and I'm going to try very hard to, to not get on soapbox, too many soapboxes about this, because you know, I've been in comp for many, many years. Um, so the way that, you know, things like Glassdoor, and there are other sites like this, but there are different mechanisms behind the scenes that I understand that vet them. But Glassdoor, it's you, you here off the, you know, Johnny Smith off the street goes in and puts what you make, tries to tie your your salary to a job and location, and that goes into the database. As a comp professional, when I, and I'll go back to when I work for big companies, because this is about budget too. Some of this is, some companies have big budgets and they can participate in multiple salary surveys, such as Mercer, such as Towers Watson. Uh, There's just, there's all kinds of organizations that, that organizations submit their job matches uh, and very intricately say, here's my job, here's the match, it's good match, I'm going to submit that, and here's my people with their names. In other words, we go out and we specifically and very detailed 
target our jobs to the survey that we're participating in. And then we get that data back and they have analysts behind the scenes that are checking and making sure there's no outliers and that everything is lining up and, and looks good. And then eventually we get an aggregate report back. I don't get what, you know, you know, if I'm at IBM, I don't get back what Hewlett Packard's paying, but I get an aggregate of the industry um, of what specific jobs are paying. So we're, us comp professionals, as you will, and this is what a lot of the big companies rely on, are being very analytical about this. So the idea, this is probably why you're getting this response, the idea of Joe Smith off the street going in and putting his salary, we don't know. We don't know that we feel confident that that is an exact match to what you know our job is. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of um, that part of it, that that's where we get concerned with, with sites like salary.com. That it is user provided data versus company submitted and analyzed and aggregated back to us. So there's a lot of research that goes into the big companies being able to do that. Smaller companies, there are a couple products that uh, uh, some organizations can kind of look at, like PayScale. And um, it, believe it or not, salary.com has a product called Comp Analyst, which is kind of done in a similar fashion. Um, where there is a lot more analytics behind it, there's people checking it, making sure it makes sense. Some of it is still user-provided data, and that, that one, I believe, is pay scale. I believe they kind of do some combination of. But they've got people scrubbing it, make sure it looks right, you know, really, really ensuring that it's fairly, they're fairly confident with it, you know. So it, there's a little bit more of a security to that. So there are tools that smaller organizations can subscribe to that can get them pretty good data. Um, and then uh, if they, you know, when they get the budget, they can participate in industry-specific surveys, some of the big company surveys, you know, things like that. So they can go get their data depending on their budget in various different ways. So that's what most companies ideally would do. And why Glassdoor, it, again, Johnny Smith off the, off the streets providing that information and it's like, Take it with a grain of salt. But we, we acknowledge, though, that that's where they're getting their data. Salary.com has a similar mechanism. Um, but there are tools that they're getting that. So you just got to take it with a grain of salt, but know that that's what our candidates are looking at. So we still have to have that sensing of what are our candidates seeing versus where are we getting our data and where's the disconnect. Um, and, and if there's a disconnect, sometimes it's just making sure that they understand. They see a job title. Uh, say a business analyst, this is a good example. My favorite example, business analyst could be two or three different things. One may be more business analytics. One actually may be more systems IT driven business analytics. I've seen that title used multiple ways. So what you call one thing in one organization may be called something different in an organization. So does that help kind of explain? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, no, that's great. That's great. So I, I, I just think, it's it's so interesting because we see that over and over and over again, uh, at least in the mm -hmm. work that that you know uh, I I talk with other business owners and 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 they're just there's this concern with how do they talk to their employees and say listen just because you read it on Glassdoor doesn't mean that it's accurate. Um, right. So does that mean calling in someone like yourself to say hey listen. Here's what it actually looks like across the board whenever we talk with employers. This is these are the numbers that they're giving us. Is that what it takes? Uh, that that could be one solution. Um, if you have if you feel like as an organization you have gotten 
the information you need accurately. Like you have had somebody come in and build a project for you, do a project like I did for a recent uh, client um, where you've kind of built salary structures, ranges, or you just know that on on average, 95% of the time I can offer this to a candidate and it works, then you're probably, com- I mean, as long as you're confident in your data, you can say, this is what we pay, this is uh, our ranges, it's based on whatever research we've done, whether it's literally just through the recruiting process or whether it's through some kind of study they did. Um, then, then, then there's no reason why they have to feel like they have to, to kind of, you know, go in and, and really analytically de- de- defend themselves. But, you know, as an organization grows, as they maybe change, the roles change, maybe they take on a new service. Uh, if they go into new locations, you know, like say you start to do set up shop in California. Oh my goodness. It's so much more to, to hire people in California than it is in Texas, you know? So you sometimes have to come back to that and say, are we paying people the right way? And then you go back to what's my strategy? Where do I want to, where do I want to get this data from? And do I want to get someone to help me, et cetera. So. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's great. I mm-hmm. think that's great. Um, excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Okay, so um, Kimber, if you're cool, what I'd like to do is I'd like to move into our our uh, our rapid fire question part of the podcast. It's five easy questions. Are you, are you ready to kind of move into that? Sure, sure. All right, awesome. So the first question is: What is the best advice you've ever received? Wow, best advice I've ever received. Um, uh, the one that comes to me is um, a boss at one of my companies. It's a big technology company. He told me that you've got to be resilient. Um, and this was when I was starting to kind of work my way into a leadership role that you're going to get. You've got to keep that resilience. You've got to, you know, if, if something's not, if you're kind of passionate about something and you're trying to engage that particular change, it might be a change or it might be something you feel you need to have done in the organization or within even your own personal career and you hit roadblocks you know, along that way, you've got to keep that resilience. You've got to take the step back, take a deep breath, figure out what you need to do and then keep pushing forward. So I, uh, it's vague. I know that's a vague answer, but resilience is, is it's critical because a lot of times you get knocked down, you can feel too beat up and you just, you give up and you should never give up. You must, uh, remain resilient in what you're doing uh, in your career, in your job, personal life even, right? If you want to get to a certain point. So uh, that was the best, that's one of the best pieces of advice. And it always, it's always stuck with me. So that's awesome. I love that. I love that. All right. So what's the best book you've read recently? Uh, so the best, and it's, it, I went, it's not super recent but it's fairly recent i uh we had to do this as a team in one of my one of my organizations but we actually read two books around the the uh the idea of accountability um and that's of course the odds principle uh roger connors smith and hickman um and then the winning with accountability by henry evans it was it, it, it wasn't what what i guess what i when i read it it was like an aha kind of for me, not that I hadn't been doing those things. It just changed my perception on even the word accountability, you know, because the word we think of accountability, we think, oh, holding somebody accountable to a mistake, whereas 
this really kind of flips that and says accountability is about, you know, never even getting to that point, making sure you're setting the expectations of what needs to be done, um, holding yourself accountable to get those things done, not when you mess up it, to get those things done and holding others accountable to get those things done so that you can deliver and be successful and help other people be successful. Cause it, it's, you know, it's up, down, left, right, always that uh, you, you need to work towards accountability. And it was, it's it kind of, again, I pretty feel like I, I pretty much lived that way before, but it, it, it became front of mind after we went through that process of reading those books as a team for me that this is how I'm going to, this is how I'm going to be as professional, you know, make sure it's always front of mind. So I love that. That's great. That's great. That's great. All right. So these, these next three questions, people find more difficult, Kimmer, but uh, (laughs) I think that they're actually really interesting because uh, they're really helpful. All right. So what are you spending too much time on right now in your position? Oh, goodness. Uh, well, since I'm, I'm a new business owner, there's a lot of administrative setup I'm spending a lot of time on, probably. Um, so I'm having to get my still kind of feel like I'm getting myself organized, if you will, um, to be able to, to, to operate. But it within the actual consulting space of it, a lot of what I'm doing right now is compliance stuff. And I think that's because we're at the beginning of the year, right? And there's a lot of need for that to make sure policies are up to date and you know with like i mentioned earlier with a lot of the benefits and comp and stuff making sure you're you're kind of adjusting to the changes so right now compliance within my career but in my in my business it's probably administrative (laughs) setup right now (laughs) yeah awesome yeah all right all right so the the reverse of this what do you need to be spending more time on in your current position hmm let me think of it. You're right. These are a little bit more, oh, yeah. a little bit more difficult. Well, uh, again, as a small business owner, and this is I going into this, I knew that the whole business development piece of it would be a little bit more challenging for me since I'm not a salesperson. So I think maybe making sure I'm kind of keeping up with that strategy of how am I going to continue to to grow my business and and market myself. So that's that's definitely one I gotta. I got to probably make sure I'm spending more time on, you know, uh, just right now I'm actually very busy in, 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 in the job. And so when you're busy in the job, you don't have a lot of time to go out and sell the business. You know what I mean? So yep. I got to kind of balance that and make sure I don't find myself without work to do, uh, and with nothing in the pipeline. So kind of balancing that, I think, um, is, is, is where I am from that in, in the, you know, with the nature of my job, with the clients and what they're asking me to do, it kind of comes and goes with what they do or don't need. So it's kind of hard for me to answer that question from that perspective. But from my business perspective, it's probably the business development piece of it. So, No, I think that that's – man, I think yeah. they're uh, – for a lot of small companies, startups like where you're at, that's absolutely uh, supremely difficult to, to find the balance there because mm-hmm. you need to have those systems in place. You need to have the admin in place. At the same time, you need more clients. So, yeah, it's, it's, that's yeah. a great answer. All right, so so last question, um, and this one's actually a bit easier. What are you most excited about for your business in the next six months? Yeah, I don't – you say that's easier. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just the fact that it's all coming together for me, right, that I'm starting to put that out there and – 
and seeing starting to see the results of it, the success of it, and see that I got work to do and, and people interested and people are starting to know who I am and refer me to things. So part very exciting. Um but I think one of the reasons why I wanted to do this is obviously I got the comp and bin background and I've done all things HR, but to also kind of have maybe I'm hoping to get new, uh, if I get some new business to do something a little different, something maybe I hadn't quite done as much in the past. And, you know, I wouldn't give a specific example, but maybe some type of project where I've been one player in it, not necessarily led it. So I need to go in and actually kind of build that skill set for myself as well. So that's another reason why I wanted to do this because I thought it would give me a chance to go in a bit that I hadn't quite done before in the past and kind of grow in that area. So I'm excited for that opportunity, you know, whatever that looks like when it comes to me. So mm. that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, Hey, Kimmer, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. You gave us some really good insights. If people wanted to reach out and learn more uh, about your consulting practice and what you're doing, how would they reach you? Uh, right now, the easiest way would be via email. Like I, I admit, I'm still kind of setting some things up, so I don't formally have a website yet, but they can email me um, at Kimmer.more, and that's K-I-M-E-R dot more at CapriccioHR.com. I'm also very, you know, very active on LinkedIn. So if they find me on LinkedIn that way and connect with me, we could definitely uh, touch base from there. So probably LinkedIn and my email address would be the uh, two easiest ways. Awesome. That's great. Well, thank you, Kimmer. Uh, thank you for the information and, uh, best of luck as you continue to grow your business in 2018. Thank you.